Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries, great to be with you today. I want to begin today's broadcast out of a reading in the book of Romans. In just a moment, Brian and Kathy are going to be joining us, our missionaries on the ground, and we're going to have an incredible conversation today. I'm looking forward to seeing them. We missed everybody last week, and um, we have a lot to talk about today, but I'd like to begin in Romans chapter 1, verse 28, and it says this, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, disobedient to parents, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. And I was looking at that word, unplacable, and it means... Very interesting word here. It is the aspandos. And it simply means without a treaty or covenant. Uh, it talks about a uh, without libation, uh, truceless, uh, implacable, merciless, 
the definitions here kind of line up with what's going on in our world right now, where we see um, hard-heartedness, we see, um, you know, no truce in the action, implacable m- mentality, unmerciful, uh, merciless killings. Uh, we're seeing young men walking into malls. We're walking into shopping stores, walking into schools. These are young guys. These are 21, 18 um, years of age, and you wonder how they got there, and that's one of the things we're going to be talking about today with Brian and Kathy. But I wanted to just say that these days that we're living in, these are days where in the book of Romans, because people don't want the knowledge of God in their minds, uh, this is what is coming forth. This is what is manifesting out of human nature. And uh, it used to be somewhat curtailed. Uh, There used to be a governing power, uh, somewhat of a protection. Now society is wide open to this attitude or this conduct of fallen human beings. And unfortunately, um, it's happening from young people right now. So without further ado, I want to welcome Brian and Kathy to the broadcast today. Say good morning. God bless you both. Without further ado, I want to welcome Brian and Kathy to the broadcast. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Ben. Good to hear both of your voices. Wonderful people. Hallelujah. Yeah, amen. Good to hear your voice. It's good. Well, uh, thank you. Very good. Yeah, very good. And it's good to be together again. And uh, I just need to ask Brian right off the off the top of the program here. Um, <clears throat> we're seeing a number of young adults carrying out murderous schemes. And the question I have is, how did they get there? And I know that you're working with young adults. I know that you're working with young, uh, young men that are at risk. And um, I just wanted to ask you, you know, you're working with these kids, and they're either going to go in one direction or another. And we're living at a time where it seems like all restraint is gone, and people are just going out doing what they're doing. And uh, how many of these young kids um, are at the door or could actually become the next face on the news whether it's in Indiana, whether it's in Uvalde, Texas, whether it's in Buffalo, New York, or Parkland, Florida, you know, you know, how did we get here, Brian? You know, it's it, it says in Proverbs that it, that uh, if we don't us discipline our children, we hate them, and an undisciplined son brings shame to his mother, and we we have a, a culture of completely, totally undisciplined children, and. So many of the ones that are theoretically disciplined are actually abused. And so, you know, the, the, the idea behind discipline is that it has, that it brings teaching. It's, it's for instruction. And though, you know, the rod, sparing the rod, spoiling the child, the rod wasn't, wasn't designed to beat the kid into submission. The rod was designed to teach, to teach discipline. And what we're seeing now are we're, we're looking at at least two generations of children who have lack discipline, I mean, completely. And so I would say 75% of the kids that I work with have the potential to become a, a, like a Uvalde shooter. In fact, um, just yesterday, the day before yesterday, we had a a kid that was completely manifesting and demonic. I was on, I was on the floor for two hours with a kid fighting us and vomiting and, and, uh, and uh, then yesterday I went to work and he was standing at the door and I was open to the cottage that I work at. And as I walked in, he had his water bottle in his hand and he smiled at me as he walked up. I thought he's going to shake my hand. And he takes his water bottle and made a stabbing motion five times into my abdomen. You're dead. Ha 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 ha. 
you know, and so um, then he wanted to shake my hand, and I said, no, you got a 24-hour grounding, but, um, um, wow. yeah, I mean, it's just like, my it's, uh, it's, off, it's off the Richter, yeah, it's completely off the Richter, and it's it, it's more confirmation of, of, you know, last days, what the, what people are going to be like, what it says, what it says in Timothy, you know, people will be lovers of themselves, loud boasters, you know, disobedient to parents. And, and it's, um, I mean, we're here. We are. And it's, it seems as though the adversary, Satan, has been doing a, an incredible work on people's minds. And these young kids that really haven't been fathered, they haven't been tutored, they haven't been protected, um, their, their brains are just soaking everything up. They're seeing a very violent society coming out of Hollywood, and they're watching what's going on around the world, and they're seeing protests and violence and shootings, and somewhere along the line, the enemy puts a thought in their mind, and uh, there, there they are. They're the next face on the television screen, and it's like, a, hey, look what I did, and it's, uh, he's, it, sounds, it seems like the, the adversary, Satan, can employ just about anybody um, <clears throat> at any age to go out and do his bidding, and um, how vulnerable, I mean, my God, how vulnerable our people once the mind has been taken over by darkness and uh yeah it's kind of a scary thing yeah it, it it is a scary thing and uh you know the other night when i was when i was wrestling with this kid on the floor you know there's not just me by myself but it's at least two of us you have to restrain a kid wow you know and I'm, i was you know i was praying in tongues and, and everything and uh and it was just uh it just had no effect, you know, and, you know, I think it just got the Lord brought me to John chapter five, just before we, um, we came on here, you know, it's a man at the pool of the state, you know, and the first thing he says to him, and I think it's the only time that Jesus ever approached someone and asked them if they want to be healed. And, and I think more often than not, we're dealing with, a, a, at least I am in my encounters with people. It's, it's, um, people just don't want to be healed. They, they don't want Jesus. They don't want what we have to offer. They don't want peace. They don't want security. They're, they, they want the things of the world. And, and because of that, they're, they're just open to the attacks of the enemy. And we had a, uh, one of the youth pastors in our organization here. They, he, the principal of the school contacted him, and she said that she wanted to come in and, you know, and, and anoint the doors of the, of the place with oil and that, that, uh, that, uh, and, and pray. And I, and I said to him, I said, well, that's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That's nice. I said, but you know, that's the, the doors to the building are not really the problem. That's not the doors that are open. That's not the doors that we need to shut. And we have, you know, television and, and just culture and, and all the, all the abuse that these kids have been subjected to all the trauma. There's just so many doors that the enemy has that if you close one, you got, you got 10 more that are open. <clears throat> You know, and that's excellent wisdom. And so it appears as though there's like this moment in the human psyche, and children obviously are more vulnerable, but maybe older people as well, where you just get to a point where you snap, and when you snap, you know, you grab you grab whatever is available to you, you get in a car, you drive down in Wisconsin, and you kill a bunch of people at a parade uh, during Christmas time, uh, or you take a weapon and you shoot, walk into a mall and you start shooting people. What is it that's creating this environment in the soul of man today that people are just saying, you know what, forget it. And they're just, you know, throwing down restraint and they're taking up whatever and they're going and doing the things that are being done all around the world. I think, I think the, the, 
the the bedrock or, or the the bed for that Satan you know plants his trees and gets his weeds and thorns to grow in is is trauma, and um, you know uh, trauma has begun in in terms of like therapeutic realms where we're, we're like working with people in counseling and therapy and stuff. Trauma has become at the forefront of the cause of just about most of most of the things that ail us, and there was a scientifically speaking there was a uh, it was ca- called a it was a kaiser permanente and i want to say berkeley or some other university they did a study on on the effects of trauma across a person's lifespan childhood trauma across a person's lifespan and basically we all have trauma of some sort but um you know it's like the more incidence of trauma in in uh, early childhood and childhood in general it, that's a predictor for things like early death and and cancers and heart disease and all different things. And so what's interesting is if you really look into the occult practices, it's particularly like Satanism with satanic ritual abuse, they use trauma as a tool. And the goal is to split the personality and so that these other, these split personalities that the original core personality doesn't necessarily know about become kind of like vacuums or hosts for, for demonic presences to come in. You know, and if you talk to, like, regular secular therapists and whatnot about the demonic aspect of it all, they'll just kind of poo-poo it. But, but we know as Christians that it's like the, the, the devil's always looking for, um, looking for a doorway. And, um, and I, think that, I think that we have a, a very, very, very traumatized society. And, and it occurred to me, you know, I was talking to a woman that we're actually, she's kind of discipling us in, in dealing with trauma and healing and deliverance and things like that. And, and I asked her about organizational trauma because I think that even the people that consistently deal with these people that, that are so traumatized and acting out that they are they become traumatized themselves. So we've just got this entire bedrock of trauma in our society, and it's just opened the door for the devil to come in and do whatever he wants. You know, that's so. You, you mentioned something: the satanic ritual abuse, and in our years of ministry, and Patricia's you know, extensive work in the deliverance ministry, we have run into people that have been absolutely groomed from childhood where, you know, we have heard the stories where as as young little babies, they were molested, they were, you know, things happened to them that traumatized them so deeply, and these people wound up becoming high-ranking witches uh, and brides of Satan, and whether it's real or not, this is what's going on in their psychology, but uh, we've ran into this. I've got a book on my shelf. I'm tempted to go get it, and I think we're going to start doing some study on this. But satanic ritual abuse is a very real thing, whether it's just unintended trauma as a little boy or girl or being apprehended by a group of uh, Satanists uh, that are, you know, kind of uh, one of the German uh, leaders that uh, were very, very participant in this type of thing. Um, and maybe that's what we're seeing because – uh, the the way that these people are looking when, after they're done with their murderous sprees um, is it, so strange. It's like they wake up from some delusion that they were under, and it's like something had controlled them so deeply. And so uh, this satanic ritual abuse, I believe it's real. It's all part of spiritual warfare. And uh, the church, you know, dealing with these things, dealing with that level of warfare, um, I don't know if the church is really ready to do that or not. What are your thoughts? No, I, I don't think the church is. And, and you know, it's, it's you know, what the, satan, what the Satanists did, and a lot of that did come out of the, out of the uh, 
the, the Nazis in Germany, you know, so their practices and whatnot, and they were actually experimenting with trauma. And, I mean, the, the roots of it run deep, and they run all over the place. And, and But though, even if, you know, you have, like, the codified versions of, like, where they're actually, you know, doing trauma for the purpose of, like, you know, bringing demons and, and getting a place for people, for demons to host themselves within other people so they can do Satan's bidding, you know, that – that's probably the minority of it, but this is a this is something that the that the the devil uses just globally. You know, I mean, it's 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 been used in wars. You know, all over the all over the world, we still have human slavery going on in, in North Africa. Um, you still have uh, civil wars breaking out, and all these things are just satanic trauma. Wherever there's bloodshed, wherever there's fear and terror, you know, that's that's the devil's playground, and and it's accomplishing the same thing. And because we look at like actual, you know, um, kind of uh, overt satanic ritual abuse and the fact that it's codified into a into a plan, and we we tend to focus on that. I, I think that's the minority of it. I think it's a it's just a much bigger thing on a much bigger global scale. And you know, these these kids that um, that I work with, you know, I see like I have a 12 year old boy who um, he 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 was in a really good Christian home and that I just contacted yesterday and got pictures and, and video of his baptism when he was there. He, um, you know, his mother's a, a heroin addict and just, uh, you know, just comes from a horrific abuse herself. And, um, you know, the story is, I, I, I haven't really corroborated it yet. It didn't know if it's actually totally true, but the story is that, that when he left this home, he went back with his mother and then his stepfather took him, someplace and and she doesn't know exactly what happened but when he came back he was obviously traumatized and he was never the same ever since you know and this kid has been in in, in areas of, of Tennessee where, where there's a lot of gang activity and and he um he uh you know he, he's had like his best friend get shot and die in his arms and and just all these horrific things happen and you'd think that that would make him want to run away, but for some reason he's like completely aligned with this sort of like gangster way of thinking. And it doesn't make sense to us because as Christians, you know, we want the love and peace of God. We want the, the abundant life, you know, we want the peace that passes all understanding and to encounter people who have maybe tasted that and then, you know, be exposed to all this horror and, and be drawn to it is it just doesn't make sense. And so I, I don't think I, – I know here we're actually, as a body of Christ, trying to address this stuff. And all I can say is, no, we're not. We're not even anything we're near close to being prepared to deal with things on the level that it needs to be dealt with. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. And, you know, the, it, the outcome seems to be how young people or anybody gets in a position of doing these things is they come to a place of having absolutely no hope for the future. Um, you know, and this could, this boils down to just about everything where there's no hope, then what's the point of going on? And, you know, if your heart is filled with hate and bitterness and resentment and anger, and uh, you feel that you are, are a victim and you are a victim, uh, and you've been cheated rather than the, 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 the path of forgiveness and mercy and hope for a future and that God does love you and the things that happened to you weren't because of God, they were because there's a real devil in this world and man's sin, and and unless that intelligence gets into people's hearts and minds, uh, then what is there left? I mean, you're living in a world right now, I mean, the way things are, I mean, who wants to go out and, and, you know, 
you know, just simply raise a family and get a good job and, and go buy a nice house and, you know, live out your days like normality. Why? When it's a killing zone, when it's a war zone and, you know, you see this thing rising and, and division and, uh, you know, diversity of every kind and everything's kind of just letting loose, busting the seams. And, you know, what's the point? You know, what do you do if you're a young person caught in the middle of this and your father is gone somewhere living his own life with his new uh, wife and stepchildren and you're sitting there? I mean, man, somebody's got to intervene, right? And that's what you guys are doing. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what we're trying, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it just really brings that, you know, Jesus said many are called, few are chosen. And I've been reflecting on that lately, you know, and that, that, that we talk about hope and that's, that's absolutely true. They don't have any hope, but the issue is still unbelief, you know, and I, and I was talking to this, this 12 year old boy who had been baptized before. And, you know, I just explained to him that it's like the, the, the only, you know, I think the sin that can't be forgiven is the sin of unbelief because once we believe, Anyone who believes can be saved. Anyone who believes has, has the right and the opportunity to become a, a son of God. And, and, but without belief, it just, it just, it's impossible. And then, you, then it, it brings me to the point of like, how did I get to the point where I believe? You know? and, and really what it is is it's the greatest miracle of all. Of all the things that we've seen, you know, we've seen healings from cancer, amazing prophetic words come to pass, and just all these giftings that, that so much of the church is seeking. But one of the things that we forget is, like, the fact that we believe is miraculous. It's like, how did I ever get from where I was 20, 30 years ago to being in this place today is, like, I mean, it's an absolute miracle of God because it didn't happen because of me. It happened because of him. All I did is all I did is drop my hands and surrender. Wow! And how wow. we get how we get people to to, to that point is like I, I don't know. I, I we don't you know. So that's why we plant and we water, and God gives the increase. And um, you know, God didn't call us to become successful servants. He he, he said you know the the thing that we most of us want to hear at the end it, when we come face to face with Him is well done, good and faithful servant. And so. Being faithful, I guess, doesn't necessarily mean it looks like success in the er, er, in the earthly terms, but it's, it's yeah. tough. Yeah, let me ask you this: uh, how, what, how how big was the person, this young person that you had to get down on the ground with? Well, how, what did they weigh? How tall were they? This individual. Well, he was he was he was close to close to my size. He was probably oh, I'm about okay. I'm about six feet two twenty, and so he he was probably about. I don't know, five eleven, maybe one ninety. So, okay, so he's a big he boy. was, yeah, he was a big boy uh, because I heard the story of a young lady. She was ninety pounds, ninety pounds. She was in high school, and three people, big athletes, tried to uh, hold her down, and she whooped the living daylights out of every one of them. And it was, it was because of the demonic spirit, kind of like the seven sons of Skiva. Um, where yeah. the, the spirit saw them and they were using the name, but they weren't connected and they went after it. So um, I just wondered if, if the demonic possession in this individual, or was it just their strength uh, that was the requirement? And probably a combination of both. Yeah, uh, it, it was definitely a combination of both. I mean, he was yeah. vomiting, you know, and, yeah. and uh, yeah, I mean, it's all demonic. You know, I, 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 
you know, I think I think it's a case of some demons are more are stronger than others. I guess I don't I don't know, but I mean everything. The whole atmosphere that I work in, it's a Christian it's a Christian home, but not everybody that works there is a Christian, which is the other problem. You know, it's like we're Kathy and I were talking today, and it's like a house divided against itself um, won't stand. And so even though you know I'm a spirit filled Christian in there, and I'm praying in tongues, it's like when we go in and we address a situation like this where we're actually functioning as a team. So we're actually functioning as one. And, and um, if some, some of the people that are, that are uh, assisting me or I'm assisting are actually have their own demons and it's just, it's kind of counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. So we're living in this time of the American killing fields globally around the world. We're seeing all these events, Brian, Kathy, you and I know, all of us know those listening we are rushing headlong towards the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. It appears that our generation, now we weren't in prior generations, but it certainly does appear with the prophetic signs that have hit our generation that we are the generation that's going to encounter everything written in the final prophecy in the book of Revelation. We are rushing towards the end of the world as we know it, and it is absolutely amazing about the things that we are witnessing and encountering. And uh, what do we do to get the body of Christ built up? What do we do to get the body of Christ stronger, to get beyond this mediocrity, this milk toast kind of stuff that's going on? How do you raise up an end-time militant, triumphant ecclesia to be able to stand and endure to the very end of all the stuff that is written in that final prophecy that's coming on the earth? What, what do you see needs to be done to strengthen the body of Christ and, and get them so spiritually fit and prepared for this end time battle that we're going through. Well, uh, apart from doing what you're doing there at new wine ministries with, with your little body there with people that are, that see and get on the same page. I, I don't know that there is anything that we can do. And I, hence I think where it says in second Thessalonians two eleven, right? Where there's going to be a great falling away. And so I, you know, and the other thing is in Ephesians 5, it says that he, 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 Jesus prepares for himself a spotless bride. And so I think that I I, I don't, I just, I don't know, because I, it's, I'm just kind of baffled, you know, because we live, the, the culture that we're immersed in, the Christian culture that we're immersed in here is very, I don't know how familiar are with, with Bill Johnson and Bethel and Iris Ministries. and, And it's kind of like, they take the, the charismatic to an extreme now where in, in some areas it's just birthing, just absolute, complete, total nonsense. And, and the only thing that I can think of is it's, um, it's we're living in a time in the body of Christ where, where it's like Jeremiah 14 or, and, and especially Jeremiah 27 and 28. And, you know, Jeremiah 27, uh, God tells, tells Jeremiah to, to put a, a, a yoke of, of bars. I can't imagine imagine in my mind exactly what it looks like around his neck to symbolize the fact that they were going to go under into bondage under Babylon. And he's telling them, you're going there, you're going into bondage, you're going under into bondage under Babylon. And if you resist, you know, you're basically, you're going to die. And then in, in 28, you have Hananiah in chapter 28, yeah. you have Hananiah coming out and saying, Hey, in two years, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. And he goes and he removes the, the yoke off of, uh, Jeremiah and, uh, you know, and Jeremiah is still very respectful, and he says, well, you know, it's like, listen, it's like, that's not how it's worked throughout the Bible, and God has, has 
has, uh, the prophets of God have prophesied famines and wars and pestilences, and that's what's happened. But if the Lord said this to you, well, let it be, you know. And, and, and of course, that's not what it was. And God sends him back afterwards to tell Hananiah and, and, and tell him exactly what's going to happen. And then within a year, Hananiah is dead, you know. And so I just, we sing you know, that old song, these are the days of Elijah in church. But I really think we should be singing these are the days of Hananiah. That would be a more yeah. apt song. <laughs> I think you're right on. You know, that is such a profound passage of Scripture, Jeremiah chapter 28, because, um, you know, it just shows the difference between a true prophet of God and the false prophet of God and those ministries that are prevalent in the earth today. And so uh, Jeremiah was just simply saying, hey, this thing is gone and it's going to be fulfilled and it's, you're, it, you're just going to have to be patient and, and get through but the other one is saying, no, it's all going to turn around. And boy, is that what's happening in the climate today. And it's not about who's right and what side people are going to take. It's how people are going to prepare to handle what's coming down the pike and to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that you don't go to that mall. You don't go to that shopping center. Uh, you don't go to these different places uh, just whimsically that everything right now in the raw uh, spiritual economy of God is being led by the Holy Spirit of the living God. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you both, you were out, you were missionaries. You were in some of the roughest places in Honduras. You were in, you know, uh, probably in Africa at some point. And, and you just, you guys have been out there as missionaries on the ground. And you're here now in the United States for a little bit of time. Uh, are you finding it a weirder climate in the USA than when you were out in the hostile territories of foreign lands? Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. the United States is bizarre, and, and uh, <laughs> but it's it's bizarre because of the prosperity that we've enjoyed and not really appreciated and become had got this sense of entitlement to that we're that we are God's special people because we're Americans and I'm born in America and that's it. Of course, that was the same error that a lot of the Jews were making, you know, and uh, that Paul addressed in Romans chapter three and, you know, no one is righteous, not one. And, um, but you know, it's like the thing that's different about these, all these third world countries is these people are broken. You know, it's like every worldly hope that they could ever um hold on to has failed them and repeatedly failed and they're working the earth by the sweat of their brow you know and um and and just just trying to hang on and they and and they have nothing to cling to but jesus and the where we were in mozambique is right now they're just they're being completely overrun by muslim terrorists and the mission school that where we were at you know they're just saying like they're they're thinking they're going to be martyred at some point and it's um and they're just clinging to Jesus. And it's it's the desperation. And that's why I think a lot of people that are like, that are caught up in the prosperity gospel and caught up in the, oh, America is going to be redeemed and Donald Trump's going to be reelected and he's going to make everything great again. And, and they don't understand that the purposes of God's judgments are not, they're not for his, they're not his wrath per se. They're not for just for punishment, just to like destroy us because he's mad, but they're his discipline. Every time God put put the, put Israel into into captivity, it was for their good, and that's what Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that everybody loves to quote so much, you know, it, it is about. He's it's it's a father telling his son basically like, hey, you've been bad and you're going into your room, but this is not because I hate you and I want to destroy you. I want to bless you and prosper you. But listen, you're going to be disciplined and you're going in your room for seventy years, and when you come out, 
then I'm going to bless you again. They don't understand that God's judgment is for discipline. And, and because we're completely, as I said at the beginning, we're a completely undisciplined culture, completely undisciplined. And, and, and therefore, because we won't discipline ourselves and haven't disciplined ourselves and haven't disciplined our children, then God is going to discipline us. And that's all there is to it. Yeah. Amen. Well, that is so true. I'm thinking as you're talking about the, you know, the, the levels of progression in the Christian walk where we go from justification to sanctification to glorification. I like keeping it that easy. And I know justified means we've been called and God has freely justified us just as though we've never sinned so that we could get on with the process of sanctification and move on into the realm of glorification. And I believe in that. And uh, the sanctification work that's going on in the, in the lives of Christian men and women around the world in our own lives, uh, this work of sanctification, it's a very real work of God in the depths of our existence and our being. And uh, how would you explain uh, this, sanctifying, this sanctification journey uh, with Jesus and the working out of our salvation with this process in, in mind and in action. Uh, just speak into the sanctification necessary for every one of us. Where does it begin? How is it working? Uh, what, what hope does a person have that's coming out of the darkness, r- running to the light, uh, but in the, in the process being cleaned up before the Lord? What does that look like? What is the hope of this thing coming to a conclusion so we can step into the realm of God's divine glory? How do you see well, that happening? I, I mean, I think it begins with a proper understanding of justification, right? And justification is is our sins are forgiven, our, our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus, and we're no longer condemned to hell. In my 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 own understanding of of sanctification, looks like we're being conformed into the image of His Son. And in my own life, I always like to look at it. I, I look at it like peeling an onion. You know, it's like you peel one layer of an onion off, and it's a, a layer of repentance. And then there's another layer below below that, and another layer below that. And, and eventually what it gets to, to the point of, hopefully, is that you peel all the layers away, and there's nothing left. There's no more me left. There's just him. And I, that's the way I understand the sanctification process. And it's like, but the thing is, is that it's, it can be painful, and it can be scary, you know. It, it means encountering the, the fear of the Lord and embracing the fear of the Lord. And when you when you come to a place where I think it was Mark Twain who said, "It's not the things that you that you don't know that will get you; it's the things you think you know, and it just ain't so." And mm-hmm. and I think that as I've gone through my life in my in my Christian walk, it's like there are things that I thought I was so sure of and I was so right about before, things that I thought might be permissible. And then, you know, I get to a place and then the fear of the Lord falls on me and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I like thought like this. And, 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 and I repent, you know, and it's just this constant process of, of, of becoming purified, you know, from the things of the world and, and cutting the world off and, and moving into a position where we become holy as even as he is holy, which is the goal. So let me ask you this. Um, I'm looking at Hebrews chapter 12 right now, and I want to see how important this is and how this is working in individuals' lives, regardless of age. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 5, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, 
nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Now, when I read that, my image, and and again, if, if I need to get it straightened out, so be it. But my image of that verse is that every man, woman, and child that steps into the arena of becoming born again, translated out of darkness into light, coming into the Father's house, sanctification is is very much involved with discipline. And I just wonder, I meet so many Christians that are kind of do-it-themselves Christians. They're on their own. They're, you know, they're doing their own thing. And it doesn't seem as though the disciplinary work of the Father is really going on in their lives. Because I've met people that have been subject, subjected by their own free will to the Father's disciplinary hand to do things the way he wants to do. And I've seen the fruit of that disciplinary action. How many people are going to walk away or wake up one day and think that they're saved but realize they've been illegitimate because they've never went through the process of being disciplined by the Father according to the Word of God? I think the Bible says a lot, <laughs> you know, and it, it, Matthew so. seven twenty one to 23 is, is really, really clear. It's, it's scary. That's the scariest scripture. I think even more so than Hebrews 12, that you can be doing everything right, you know, on the outside, doing all the right things, prophesying, healing people, casting out demons, and then still, have, you know, stand before Jesus. And he says, department for me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Uh, that, I think there's there, there's going to be a lot, and um, yeah, and in, in Hebrews 12 it says that that you know everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and it ends with our God. The chapter ends with I believe with our God is a consuming fire, and I think there's there's an aspect of God where it's like in Romans 11 where he talks about you know behold the goodness and severity of God. He warns us. It's like you better understand the goodness and severity. It's not just about you know he's going to give you a million dollars in a in a in two sports cars and whatever else that you want of the world, which is the way the, the body of Christ is the direction. So much of it is going is just leading people down this path of false belief that if you get, if you follow God, if you surrender to God, then you're going to get everything you want and everything's going to be the way you want it to be. And it's just, it's just wrong. And so I think there's yeah, going to be that. a lot of people at the end. Yeah. So I, I was just thinking, you know, I have my friends, and, you know, you always you hear this everywhere. You know, God is good all the time. Well, what about God is severe all the time? You know, so God's goodness has its, its limits. I mean, he's always good, but as far as it being directed towards us, we get a severity if we don't obey him. It's just a balance. I think that's a great scripture. Uh, discipline. Uh, Brian and Kathy, discipline. Jesus uh, had disciples which means they were the ones that were being disciplined by him. He had three and a half years to prepare them to carry the weight of the kingdom, the responsibility of the kingdom. Uh, He had three and a half years to bring them to their end. And I wonder how much Christianity today is really working to bring people to the end of themselves so God can raise them up so they can be responsible and walk as Jesus did, uh, you know, walking with the Father uh, carrying the weight of the responsibility of the kingdom. Your thoughts? Well, I think that 
I mean, it's, that's absolutely it. You know, the, the, he was disciplined by them. And all you have to do is really just do a, a study of Peter in the New Testament. And it doesn't take long to realize that he, he, he was the most disciplined of all the apostles, as far as I can make out. But the thing that gives me hope is that, that Peter, I mean, he literally got almost nothing right the entire time throughout the whole, whole New Testament when he walked with Jesus. And it wasn't until after Jesus was crucified, after he ascended, and the Holy Spirit was given in Acts chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he preached the gospel, and he finally got it. But before that, yeah, I think the only thing that Peter actually got right is when, when Jesus asked him, who do you say I am? And he said, you are the Christ. And within two verses or so, Jesus is rebuking him, saying, get behind me, Satan, because Peter's telling him, is rebuking Jesus for like saying he had to go to the cross. And, and uh it's even after Jesus was resurrected there, he jumps out of the boat, swims ashore. They're sitting on the beach eating lunch, you know, and, and, uh, you know, he's like, Hey, Jesus, is that the guy over there? I think he was pointing to John saying, is that the one that's going to betray you? And because <laughs> Peter, the only reason Peter didn't know who betrayed him at the time was because he was too busy trying to cut off Malchus's ear. So <clears throat> I think the whole, he was, a, he was a big case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, if, uh, you know, but I think that the hope is the fact that it's like it's God who prepares the, um, the spotless bride, and he is the one that's conforming us into the image of his son. And it's just uh, – and our job, I think, is just to, is to just continue to submit to, submit to him, submit to his will, and to look for his will in all our circumstances. You know, does God, he, can God heal all the time? Yes. Can we, if it is, if it happens to be, if I'm in alignment with God's will, can I speak to the mountain and, and it will move? Yes. But the first thing I need to be concerned with is, is really being aligned with his will and, and, and trying to see what his will is in the moment in spite of the circumstances, not because of the circumstances. And I think that's how we participate in, in our own discipline. And I think that's probably the only thing that we can do as a body of Christ to prepare ourselves for what's coming is to, is to draw closer to him and to know his will, regardless of what's looking, what this, what things look like. Okay. So let's, let's go into this a little bit because uh, I'm, I'm going to really pick your brain on this one and uh, your, the, the Holy spirit in you, uh, because I think this is a controversial issue in the body of Christ. Uh, we, t- we just read in Hebrews chapter 12 about the necessity of discipline. And we say, well, how does the Father discipline? How are we discipled? Uh, what do you do, what, how do you approach these particular verses? And I know that they can be abused. And uh, I know that they could be, um, you know, looked upon as a, a very negative thing. But what do you think the, the thought of the, of the Holy Spirit was when these instructions were being written? And I'm going to refer to three verses. And there's a lot more, but I want to start with these three. Hebrews 13, verse 7, remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And then verse 17 of Hebrews 13, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your soul as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. 
What do you do with these passages? Because I guess what I'm getting at, uh, wanting to understand our call to the ministry, the things that we do, why does the writing of this, of this New Testament talk about those in ministry having rule over people? And is it a place where people are rejecting that rule, whatever it is, to their own harm? Speak into that somehow. What do you see in those verses? Well, I, I think he's talking about he's talking about church government and church discipline, and and that you know God is a God of order, and there is a structure to God's government, and we are to submit ourselves to it. And um, you know, I think that um, I see our pastor here. He's he's a young guy. And he, he came from, you know, the Irish stream, the, the very, very hyper charismatic, very missional. And he came into a place, into a United Methodist Church. And for years, they just kind of poo-pooed him and just thought he was just kind of crazy. And he worked for the, he worked for the Holston home, and he submitted himself to the, the, the CEO, uh, who was a former Baptist, he, well, he is now a former Baptist and very much a cessationist, and um, and he, he he submitted himself to their authority, but then at the same time allowed Holy Spirit to speak into different situations, you know, without bucking the authority, without condemning it, without going out and backbiting and gossiping and tearing things down, and and so much of what we see within the body of Christ today. And what's happened gradually over the course of time is, is through the power of the Holy Spirit, things have changed. And now we have this bizarre unification and unity that's taking place between the, the uh, you know, people who are ordinarily cessationists, and they're coming around and seeing, they're seeing actual miracles of God taking place. And so I think it's, it's not a matter of just like rote obedience to a human authority, but submitting ourselves, preferring you know, making a preference to the, the person who's put in leadership over me is a person who I give preference to. And if I don't necessarily agree with everything, I'm, it's not up to me to, to, to by myself to change the person's mind or to rebuke them or, or, or anything else. But it's about the preservation of God's order and God's structure that's first and foremost. That's what allows everything else to work. And so I think we have to, there's, there's this unwillingness to to submit ourselves to each other as we would to Christ, which is what, what um, you know, I think it's Ephesians that commands us to do that. <clears throat> hope that yeah, makes very, sense. Very, yeah, well, it certainly does. I want to go just a little bit deeper with it. In 1 Corinthians 4.15, uh, Paul writes, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have yet not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. So Paul had no problem calling himself a father to his children, and, you know, we talk about a fatherless generation in the world, about how these young people are growing up without fathers and therefore becoming all this negativity. I think there may be a crisis in Christianity that there is a lack of fatherhood. 10,000 instructors. I mean, there's instructors everywhere. But the fatherhood of God operating in the church through vessels that have been sanctified and broken and trained up themselves. Um, and, and what does that actually mean? I mean, the negative side of that is some man comes in and says, I'm your father, and takes control and possession of what is not rightfully his. That is condemned, and I agree. But the spirit of the father, when, for an individual who has been fatherless, they, don't, they really don't know discipline. Even in the kingdom, they walk in, they, there needs to be that atmosphere of the father's heart 
embracing and loving and joining, uh, you know, uh, rejoicing and yet having the ability to uh, get back into that person's soul. You see, I've, I've been going through this study lately. You know, our souls, Brian and Kathy, as you know, they've been with us since we came out of mama's womb. I mean, God gave us a soul and we may be 70 years old, but we have the same soul we started with. And that soul went through every experience. That's why it has memory. That's why it has impression. That's why it has, you know, everything it does. Nothing that we have experienced has gotten past our souls. And a lot of times the worst damage that's been done to a human being has happened to them when they were children. And then it gets masked over, and for years people go on in their adulthood, but they've never grown up out of their childhood trauma or woundedness, and they're limping. They're going through life with a limp. And so the fatherhood of God for the sanctification of the soul would be able to go back into that childhood and get that childhood trauma dealt with and healed so that there could be a genuine maturing. And I think there's a lack of that. I think people even in leadership have never dealt with their childhood wounds. And so they're trying to lead and be um, what they themselves have not yet become. And, and that is tragedy uh, in the making and very difficult to see things get to where they need to be. Speaking of that, just for a moment. Yeah, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's interesting that I've had, I've had so many um, prophetic words over me as, you know, being a father you know, to the fatherless. It's since wow. at least, at least 2008 repeatedly, just over and over and over and over and over again. And, um, you know, part of me wants to reject it because on one hand, like I didn't really have much of a father. So I wasn't really, I wasn't fathered myself. And then, you know, when I, when I, in my earlier years, when I got married and had children and and went to prison, it's like I, I wasn't a father to my own children. And I keep finding myself in this position where people are like, you're a father, you're a father, you're a father. And so, you know, I've been trying to embrace it. But then what you're talking about dealing with the childhood trauma is is so very, very true. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a program called Restoring the Foundations, but it's, a, it's something that Kathy and I both went through, mainly because we were going to ask other people in, in the women's addiction ministry that we work with um, to – you know, to go through it. So we didn't want to ask somebody to do something we hadn't done ourselves. We went through it. And I went through it with this attitude, well, I don't really need this. And, but, you know, I'll see what I can get out of it. And holy moly, I mean, things that I, things that I knew about and thought I dealt with just like came to the surface and, you know, and I received genuine true healing for things I didn't even realize I needed healing for, you know? And um, so I think we, there's a lot of that that needs to be done. And uh, but but this whole idea of being a father is really key, and it's it's something I'm learning more and more about as I as I'm working in this place, and it may be the reason why God has me in this place is to teach me more about that. Well, I think it's awesome, and you know I'm reminded, and again I'm just saying this to complement what you said. You know I've had the privilege of sitting under a deliverance ministry. My wife Patricia Joy's been in this for 45 years, and you know sitting at her table. And going through deliverance um, is the phenomenal fruitfulness that I've seen in my own life and in the life of others that come and sit in her presence for about an hour. The, the, the walk away is so transparent 
that God has done something in someone's life. And I believe in deliverance. And I praise God for restoring the foundations and every other true deliverance ministry that's out there because that's what has to happen. Because in deliverance, you can go back to those areas that have been so deeply wounded and traumatized. You're, you already have the will of God, the desire of God. You've been born again. You already want to serve the Lord and love the Lord. But there's a brokenness. And that brokenness really does need to get healed. And so, man, we, Brian, you and I are so miraculous that God has called us to do anything useful for him from where we have been. It is a miracle. Um, praise the living God. Now, we haven't heard from Kathy yet this morning. We want to say hello. Is she there? Hello, Kathy. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, I'm here. It's an awesome okay. conversation. Hey, and, you know, it's so beautiful. It's not, no coincidence that the Lord refers to us as sheep, you know. The sheep need uh, shepherds. They need to be tapped and, and fed and kept in a, you know, and let out to graze, brought them back every night. I mean, we need guidance. We need, you know, we need a lot. We need to be accountable. And um, it's just, uh, you know, my brother-in-law, I just saw yesterday that I guess he, he got in Facebook jail because he's a Catholic, but he, there was a clip that these young kids went and destroyed a bathroom, and it was all on camera. And so he just, he just commented, they need their little butts kicked, and he got in Facebook jail. Wow. And um, it's just the world is so down on any kind of um, discipline, you know, and I think the church has been influenced still greatly by – trying to fit into the world. And so through the years of the church, you know, from when it was formed from the book of Acts to now, it's like either, you know, we're all on a path. And if we're not, you know, really being serious and let God sanctify us and, um, and grow to that glory, then uh, we're probably growing the other direction and getting watered down. And, um, and the other thing is that, you know, the father, we all have that orphan spirit. You know, we've all been orphans, and we've been adopted if we've come to Christ and surrendered to him, that we, we now have a heavenly father. We're back reunited with our father. And um, it's interesting that I just get so irked by people. They, you know, Jesus said, no longer will you pray to me and ask me for anything. I forget what chapter, but like he said, because, because he's going up and now you're going to pray to the father, you know, he said, no longer, yes, we'll ask in his name, but we say heavenly father, father. And so many of the body of Christ is, has just continues to pray to Jesus. And like this morning, we saw a friend in our circle here that he said, Jesus is such a cool dude. You know, and such a stud, actually, was what he wrote. And I'm just like, wow. You know, it's like Jesus is, like, portrayed as this cool guy and, you know, 30, 33 in the circle of, like, these young adults. And and they forget what what it's like. You know, they don't want to go further into, you know, Jesus, you know, he is the way back to the Father. He came to, 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 uh, clarify who God is, who our Father is. He came in the flesh to do that and to redeem us. And there's so much missing. And I was so shocked on our on Father's Day service that there wasn't any word about the Father. I was just like 
so bothered by that, you know. Wow. It was Jesus. Yeah. All the songs, you know, there's, there's so many. It would, it would have been a great opportunity to sing how, you know, that we no longer orphans, especially with we have a whole half of the church is these kids without their real fathers. And and it's it's really missing from the body of Christ. Yeah. Hey, um, uh, just a quick interjection. I'm getting calls uh, from uh, Tennessee, South Dakota, from pastors. Somebody tried to call in. Um, I'm not sure if there's something that has just happened or, you know, what, what's going on here. But um, uh, are you guys aware of any news that's coming through right now about what's happening anywhere? Let's see if we have a uh, – because this is very unusual to get these calls at this time. Um, no. Okay, so, all right, very good. Well, uh, not to distract from what you just said, Kathy, it is very important, no doubt. And by the way, I just need to make a, a, a small minor interjection right now. I want to make sure that I say this before I get off the air today. I want to say happy birthday to Nicole. And Nicole, you're there. I hope you're listening. God bless you. I'd sing to you, but it would, it would send chills throughout the airwaves. Um, <clears throat> but happy birthday, from everybody who knows you and loves you, we bless you and we thank God for you and ask the Lord to direct you this year into the exact place you need to be uh, to be able to go through. Uh, Kathy, as you were talking, and again, happy birthday, Nicole. We love you. Um, Kathy, as you were talking, I was seeing a, uh, a battlefield, a massive battlefield, and the sons and daughters of God, they have come through the minefields to get to the front lines. And at the front lines, I saw these master giants and, you know, these dragons and giants, you know, there at, on the battlefield of the end times. And uh, those that made it to that position came through the minefields and didn't lose it along the way. And, uh, you know, it kind of is resemblant to me that we're about to face and encounter the strongest powers of darkness that the world has ever known. And I believe that's consistent with Bible prophecy. If, you, if the footmen have wearied you, what are you going to do when the, when the chariots come? So the weapons of our warfare to have made it to this place in the front lines for this end-time epic spiritual warfare battle, we need to be disciplined saints. We need to be uh, sanctified saints. We need, we, there's not an area in our souls that can afford to be exploited by the powers of darkness. Um, speak into that. Is it, how could someone get to a place unprepared for this level of spiritual warfare? Um, I, I don't think they can. Your thoughts? Well, you know, I think it's about, uh, again, it's about surrender. Like we all want to get closer to God and we want to do greater exploits and we want to hear from him and it's, it's not about striving. It's about surrender. It's like, you know, everything is about surrender into um, our will and to his. And um, I'm sure we could all uh, look at our day and see how many times we have to surrender, you know, our own will to his. And um, I don't know. Okay. I just, I think it's, um, it's really it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. It's like trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We, we, we just, as a, as a culture, we tend to defer to our own understanding, and we're taught to lean our, on our own understanding. And it says acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. And that acknowledging him is really what the surrender that Kathy was talking about. 
And this is just like, this is what we're, we preach more and more here than anything else to people that just, they get so much of it, but they haven't surrendered. They haven't really, really laid it down. And that doesn't mean that you have to like, you know, sell all your things and move off to on the on a foreign mission field, but it might, but not necessarily. But it's more a, a, a posture of our attitude and our heart. Are we really, really, really surrendered? So if God takes everything that I own today and I have nothing, am I going to be okay? Am I going to be content with having nothing? Am I going to be content with having everything? It's 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 a uh, it doesn't matter because you know I'm dead and my life is hid with Christ. It's it's and that's the position that we've got to be in. That's the way we survive. Amen. That's the way we survive. And I, I have to imagine, and I believe this with all my heart, that we didn't get through the minefields on our own. Christ was with us, guiding and directing us. And coming to the front lines and facing giants, well, the, the only requirement David had to, to slay the first giant we're aware of in Scripture was his love for God. The impression I have of David before he was a king uh, be, you know, uh, he, he slew the bear, the lion, and the giant before he ever was a king. The only impression of him I have is that he loved God so much that in the open fields, you know, while he was taking care of the sheep, he was a worshiper of God. He had such love for God. And I believe that if people just would tap into their love for God, their affection for God, their desire for God, that would carry them further that all inward personal discipline and uh, any legalism and any form of rules and I got to do this and I got to do that. I mean, there's a place for following and obeying the word of God, no doubt. But it's the love that this, this giant slayer possessed. And God's bringing forth in these last days dragon slayers and giant slayers. And we have to be confident when we get to the front lines and we see all that massive demonic activity going on that we realize that Christ is right out in front of us. I mean, we're following him into this epic battle. Would you agree with that? 100%. And yeah, we had Amen. a we had a situation we had a situation last last week that that uh it just really for me personally, it just even reinforced this even more. And that is that you know, we have one of the things that we strive to do here is we're trying to unif- reunify parents with children, mothers with children at first right now. And, and so we have a, pro, a women's addiction recovery program, and we have a children's home. And so what they're doing is they're bringing some of the mothers um, of these children out of prison, uh, uh, you know, on a contingency basis that they complete this 9- to 13-month drug and alcohol discipleship program. And part of it, Kathy and I teach it on Fridays. And so we're, we're, we're in this class, and I'm speaking to this mother, and I was just saying to her, listen, you know, basically about discipline. I said, listen, we as a staff here can tell your son all the right things a hundred times over and we can discipline him and ground him. But unless it comes from you it, it, also, then nothing, none of it is going to mean anything. And she was breaking down. And this woman is a woman who is like, if she doesn't finish this program, she's facing 11 years in prison. You know, she's a heroin addict with this a horrific past. And, and, um, and so she's saying, she's breaking down crying. She's saying, I just pray to God that I get the opportunity to do it while I'm here. And wouldn't you know, her son, who is one of the kids that I work with, he got angry at school and he ran away. And we call it AWOL, absent without leave, like in the military. And it's a, it's a major, major infraction. And he ran down the street, you know, and, and um, he was, ta- was going to take off to, to Knoxville, Tennessee, where he's from. 
and and his mother's called out, and and he his mother didn't see him go, and I guess he expected his mother to see him and chase after him, but she didn't even know he was gone. So just as she was saying this to me, I pray that I get the chance to do it while I'm here. Here comes this kid walking in the room, mad, madder than a rattlesnake, you know. Wow. <laughs> and there it was she was right there, and she got the opportunity to do it. But meanwhile, in the midst of this, all the other women were kind of like getting all kind of discombobulated, and Kathy was like, no, just worship. So she just put on on worship music, and she just like got them leading them, just like jumping up and down, praising God and everything in the midst of all this. And I'm just like, the Lord is just showing me that it's like that was the most important thing that took place during that whole interaction is despite all the chaos and the craziness and everything that was going on, right, it was um, they were just worshiping. And then while, we're ta- while I'm talking to this boy and his mom, he looks over at them worshiping. He goes, you know, I don't think I could ever be happy like this. And his mother's like, yes, you can. <laughs> so we, we, have to re- we have to remember that it's like it, the, the external circumstances, the chaos, the demons, the landmines, or whatever it is we're facing, it's like if we're following God, if we're drawing close to him, if we're acknowledging him in all our ways, he is directing our paths, and he's going to bring the best thing out of the situation like that. But it's like Amen. to worship him in the midst of chaos is like it's, it's really powerful, and, and, yeah. and we better take it seriously. Amen. It's very, very encouraging. You know, what about you? You're listening to this broadcast today. You're listening to Brian and Kathy and myself, and you're, you're hearing things, and you're listening about all these tragedies going on around and about. And, but what about you? Maybe you're listening right now, and you're not a Christian. Maybe just you've stumbled upon this radio broadcast. I don't know when you will hear this or if you're hearing this now. But I want to say something to you. Uh, first, to those Christians that are out there, you're, you're listening to the trauma of others, but you're going through your own trauma. Uh, you're going through your own inward struggle. You're going with your own mental battle. The enemy of your soul is breathing down your neck. He's resisting you and, and standing to oppose you. Uh, you're uncomfortable. You're, you're going through these moments of warfare. What about you? You have all the weapons You have the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to take hold of. And if you're part of an ecclesia, you have a brotherhood and a sisterhood and men and women of God who have come through the same thing that you have that you can have pray for you. And I just want to say to those Christians that are listening that are going through things, you're going to go through if you'll allow Jesus Christ to bring you through. I guarantee you 1,000% that if you trust him, As Brian just said, he will bring you through, and this struggle that you're in will not last. And if you endure this moment of trial and testing, and you just get through this calling on the name of the Lord, I'm telling you, you'll be in a new environment within moments. And before you know it, all that negativity is going to go away. And God's going to melt it in the fires of his love for you, and you're going to come forth like gold because you didn't give up, you didn't turn back, You didn't surrender, but you continued to walk through, and you're going to go from glory to glory and from strength to strength and from faith to faith. And for that person that may be listening, I I just want to say this. The next time a Christian comes knocking at the door of your heart, see, God has many laborers in this world right now, 
And the laborers are out looking for the harvest. And if one Christian comes knocking at your door next time, rather than harassing and ridiculing and and opposing, understand that that person that's knocking on the door of your heart as a Christian, asking you about your love for God, your faith in Jesus, or where you stand in any of that, understand that is Jesus Christ operating through them to bring you into eternal life, into an inexpressible glory of joy unspeakable and an eternity that is beyond comprehension, don't reject them. There are many laborers. I believe there needs to be probably more laborers with a field of 8 billion souls. But the next time one of these Christians, regardless what they look like, what they sound like, when they come asking you, do you know Jesus? Give them your attention because it's God, your creator, working through them to bring you not to a church, but to bring you into a relationship with God, your father, through Jesus Christ. Brian, I just felt very uh, kind of compelled to say that right now. Your thoughts, please. I mean, that's what it's all about. <laughs> that's really why we're on the air. It's uh, the people that understand all this don't really need to hear it, but the people, it's the people that don't. And the people that don't realize it, it's just that, that there is a Savior. He really came to earth to save all mankind. And that apart from him, you know, it, we're headed, we're all headed for the pit. And, um, yeah. You know, I was, right, that reminds me of a thought earlier. And it was um, that, you know, as Christians, we're here. God sent his son. He had the whole plan. And, and we're to go out and make disciples, spread the gospel to the ends of the earth, and, and try to bring as many people back into the kingdom and eternal life as possible. God with God being the one who's actually the one who gives the increase. But we plant and water and share the gospel. Now the devil, he knows his end, and I think his job is to take as many people with him to hell as possible. And back to the shooters, now when you're working for God and they're going out and they're, they've lost all hope and they – they're going to hell because of their decisions and they've lost hope and, you know, they're listening to the devil. They're probably possessed. And so that's the devil's scheme to take as many people with them by shooting them and ending their lives with them. So I just think it's kind of just the devil's plan just manifesting in the flesh. Absolutely. Um, So, Let's, uh, let's, I don't know, there's just a, like a, a hush here, a little pause, and I'm not sure why. Um, I've got other things to talk about, but there's something. Uh, Father, I just want to pray right now uh, for anybody listening to this radio broadcast, wherever they're from. If there is a, a son or a daughter of yours that's struggling right now and uh, being tempted, what appears to be beyond measure, I ask that you would make a way for them as they call upon your name, that the name Jesus will come upon their lips. And, Father God, that you will intervene in, in that spiritual struggle that they're going through, that battle, uh, to keep them oppressed or depressed by the work of the devil. And we bind and we rebuke that satanic principality and power against their souls. In Jesus' name, help them to know that better days are ahead of them, better moments are ahead of them. And, Father God, that you uh, make a way where there seems to be no way. For that individual, Father God, that's on the edge, that person that has not yet submitted their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and come 
you know, the, the holy graces of your loving, uh, extended hand, Father God, for salvation, I pray that they do. I pray that that individual today, that person today that has not yet bowed their knee will do so and that they will accept the forgiveness. They will accept that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid the price for every sin they have ever committed. And so we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Um, Okay, guys, listen, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, Feast of Tabernacles, October 9th through October 16th. Um, The purpose of this Feast of Tabernacles, well, it's a great excuse to gather the body of Christ together and have a big party in the Lord. Um, I believe that God always has some very special things to share with people that do come to the Feast of Tabernacles. Brian and Kathy, we're talking two and a half months from now, August, September, and then we're going to get into uh, October, nearly three months, I guess, with today's date. Um, We're hoping that you two are going to be with us and that you're going to be some of our main speakers and to just bring the glory and the weight of God's presence and fellowship. I know a lot of people here are just longing to, uh, you know, embrace you guys, give you a big hug, shake your hands, and uh, just say hello. Um, it won't just be technical ministry. It's more of a uh, an organic fellowship we're looking forward to. And are you guys still on 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 path for that? Yep, Lord, Lord willing, we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's the safest place to be in as well, right? Okay, very, very good. So October 9th to the 16th, people want to start putting that on their calendar. Um, you want to call your boss at work and say, I got to go. October 9th to 16th, I'll be gone, uh, you know, because I'm going on vacation or whatever you want to tell them. But you're going to come into northwest Arkansas. There's going to be a place prepared, and uh, we're going to have, a again, another year of fruitful fellowship in the body of Christ um, and we're looking forward to our friends and speakers like Brian and Kathy uh, that will have plenty of time, not just as an hour or 90-minute program, uh, but plenty of time to get to know people, walk with people. And uh, we'll delight ourselves in the fruitful benefits of God's will that we all celebrate. It's a, it's a season of joy. Uh, and I also believe it's always strategic where God imparts uh, strategy for his kids for the days that lie ahead of them. And so I want you to put it on your calendar October 9th through the 16th to come on up to Northwest Arkansas. New Y Ministry Church is hosting it. We're going to be preparing and already are. Uh, and we're going to get this information out on our website at nwmglobal.org in a few short days here. Uh, Brian, we are coming to the end of 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 the ages. And uh, we're marching towards this moment. Any thoughts or impressions that you've had uh, that you want to share with the body about things that are unfolding before us that maybe we're not paying attention to? Well, I, I think the biggest thing that I've seen so far is that, you know, we're looking at the how the stage for the Ezekiel 38-39 war is going to unfold and, the you know, the the uh, the, the political and, and military power alignments or powers are coming into alignment with each other and, there was just a, uh, a summit held with, um, with uh, Putin, Rossi, and Erdogan, the presidents of Russia, um, Iran, and, and Turkey, came together. And, you know, it's um, discussing economic things. And, the, you know, the basis for the Ezekiel 38-39 war is, is primarily economic, at least in my interpretation. And so 
Uh, I think um, Aragon just said that the U.S. needs to get out of um, out of Syria because it's just promoting uh, terrorist attacks there, and um, Russia and Iran are, are, I guess Iran is supposedly supplying um, Russia with um, unmanned, you know, drones basically um, to be used in the Ukraine, and I think, uh, was it, um, I think Turkey just cut off all ties with the Ukraine, and so there's this, like, everything is just coming together. Uh, you know, the, you've got Saudi Arabia, which is basically, um, you know, they're becoming allies with Syria, at least on, on, on economic terms. <clears throat> and so it's just, uh, yeah, every day, every day there's something that, that supports uh, our assertion that we're living right smack in the end times and the bigger, bigger birth pains are, are coming. And um, I don't see anything that contradicts that. The other, okay. The other thing is, go ahead. Go ahead, Bern, please. No, no, that's it. I was going to say that's okay. all I really had to say about this. I was just going to ask you about that high five between the Saudi prince and Putin when they got together. I mean, he gave the knuckle sandwich to uh, uh, Biden when he was there, but when it came to Putin and the Saudi prince, they were smiling, high fiving, and sitting down. What do you think's going on there? Ah. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, it's um, I think I think the the knuckle sandwich that he gave Biden is more significant, which is just nobody on the world stage has any any respect for Biden whatsoever. And and uh, I don't know. High five with Putin really means too much. But um, yeah, I think that I think where I see Saudi Arabia playing things out. And again, this is this is just my speculation. This is not a prophetic word from God, but I don't see Saudi Arabia in attacking Israel in the in the. Um, in the Ezekiel 38-39 war, I don't see anything that supports that. They're either going to stand down or maybe even support Israel against them. Um, but um, I think that um, – I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> okay. I, I, I think I – th- no, I think what we're going to see is – I think what we're going to see is, is Saudi Arabia making the way for the Temple Mount to be controlled re- – be returned to control by the, um, by the Israelis – and you know it's it's from an economic point of view it's like they they mecca is their primary uh is their primary holy place and it's better for them if more people come to mecca both both you know for their religion and also economically the more tourism they get in saudi arabia which is actually the basis of of most of their economic planning right now these these uh uh, peace accords they're, they're making with israel it's really to support their tourist in- industry which is what they're trying to boost and so I suspect that Saudi Arabia is going to be on the side of Israel, and they're going to make way for the uh, Temple, Temple Mount control to be restored to Israel. Then, you know, that will make it – once they have control of the Temple Mount, then you'll be able to have, you know, the Daniel prophecy fulfilled that, that, uh, that the, the daily sacrifice will be, um, will be re- restored. And then it will, at some point there in the near future, it'll be taken away, and that's when the abomination of desolation spoken of in, in Daniel and Matthew 24 will be set up. So that's that's how I view Saudi Arabia. I could be totally wrong, but that's just my take on it. Well, I think it's a good take. Uh, let me, let's go into this just for a moment, because this war uh, is taking place, supposedly, with Russia and Ukraine, and that could explode with these leaders that you just mentioned coming together um, America is at its weakest moment in the history of, of its existence, I believe, because a house divided cannot stand just on that principle alone. Uh, but what about what's going on in Europe right now? I mean, we're seeing charts 
in, in Europe where the heat index is higher than it has been in 200 years and fires are breaking out everywhere. And I just wonder if there was a connection there to CERN that opened a couple of weeks ago. They said they reopened the CERN. And again, we're not getting into speculation or uh, conspiracy theory, but what do you think has just prompted this? Is it global warming, as they're trying to say? Or what has happened that this massive heat is coming upon the earth? And here in the United States, I mean, today we're going to be at 104, 105, in some cases even hotter than that. What are your thoughts about what's going on in Europe and here, weather-wise? I I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that are happening with the sun right now. Um, but I, 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 I don't know. And I don't, I personally don't think CERN, I mean, it could be, I don't know enough about it, but my understanding of CERN is I don't think CERN has anything to do with, with weather control right now. I do know that they, you know, they began using, trying to weaponize um, weather during the, the um, Vietnam War. And I, I saw an interview with a pilot who was actually involved in, in cloud seeding over the Ho Chi, Ho Chi Minh Trail when they successfully flooded, stopped the Viet Cong by flooding the Ho Chi Minh Trail. So I know the intention has been there since at least the, the, uh, the, the 1960s. But, um, you know, I, I really don't know. And I think that it's, it, for me, I, I personally think it's kind of like a, it's a dangerous area to, to try to speculate on because, when we as christians when we're when we're when we articulate clear biblical truth to people and even find scientific and archaeological support uh for for our arguments and the evidence that we give about the existence of god and his plan for all mankind i think we do a disservice to ourselves if we go too far off the off the scale trying to speculate on these things like this because then there are people that that are actually pumping disinformation out you know to um just to kind of muddy the waters and, and make us look silly. And, and when we try to present arguments about God, then they look at us and they say, well, look at this silly things that you were saying over here. Why are you going to listen to him? And it's like, oh, yeah, okay. And, 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 and so I, I, I just, I don't know. Nothing happens here that, that is not either caused by God or, or allowed by God. And I think that's what we need to keep our focus on. Uh, fair enough. E excellent. So let's go back. You said something earlier about uh, activity with the sun. Uh, I've been hearing that the, you know, the global leaders or the world leaders are talking about um, lights out this summer in the United States, a power outage. They're making that a very, very big, large issue. Uh, are you talking about coronial mass ejections? Uh, what kind of activity are you seeing in the sun? Yeah, I heard, I've heard about that there, there's an expected coronal mass ejection that could, that could potentially interfere with, you know, power in some areas and, and, um, um, uh, you know, radio and computer stuff, data stuff, things. But, but I mean, we've had we've had a lot of those in the past. There was one very recently, and they they thought it was going to do the same thing. There's, I mean, there's a history of uh, a coronal mass ejection. I think it was in the 1800s that that basically fried a lot of teletypes and whatnot. I mean, um, um, but uh, sure. you know, again, again, it's effect. like, yeah. yeah. And there are people that there are people that. Um, you know, are projecting that the earth is going to be flooded again, but we know that God's not going to flood the earth again. We know that eventually it's going to be destroyed by fire, but there's a lot of things that have got to happen before that takes place. And so, again, okay. it's like, I guess, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's just our missionary background, just living in the third world, completely dependent upon him, you know, coming through just these, 
bizarre, life-threatening experiences where we just realized that our that our safety net and our preparation lies in 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 being obedient to Him. Amen. Well, there's a scripture: "There shall be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars." And upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. So I I, I agree. Um, Very careful. I think you said that very well. Be very careful about, you know, not coming across as uh, conspiracy theorists or Looney Tunes or anything like that. But Bible prophecy, Jesus Christ himself did say that there would be these signs. And I do believe the spirit has unveiled and revealed to some minds that there will be a lights-out scenario that's going to hit this earth, and uh, especially the North American continent. And uh, we just want to thank God today uh, that there's air conditioning. Uh, We thank God today that we could get in our cars and drive them and have air conditioning in them. Um, And and I would imagine that regardless, God's people will get through um, one way or another by calling upon his name. Um, So other things that may be happening in, in on the world scene right now. I mean, the, the government, the political scene is just a, a nightmare. I get her. Uh, Bannon is supposed to be going to court for something, and that's supposed to be a big deal to the left-right paradigm. But um, is that just part of the distress of nations with perplexity just rising? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I I mean, it's the the, the our our government is it's an absurdity right now when we just look at what's going on with the January 6th trial and the, the lack of ability for them to, you know, um, you know, bring wit- witness testimony and things like that. I mean, it's just a complete total charade. And I, I, I guess you're going to have a, uh, you've got the traditional battle between the, the Democrats and the Republicans. And I, I don't know, I, I, my personal sense is that, that Demo- it's what Jesse Ventura, when he was governor, governor said when he got into, into Washington, he realized right away that it's like the, the, the Democrat and Republican Party are just like the, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. On camera, they're, they're arch rivals and they're like wanting to beat each other up and everything like that. And then, but behind closed doors, they're all on the same team and they're just fleecing, <laughs> fleecing their customers, fleecing the people. So, wow. <clears throat> wow, feeding the egos. All right. Go ahead, Brian, please. I just I, I have I have absolutely zero faith in 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 any political system at this point and in in my own view I, I just regard it all as the leaven of of Herod the Pharisees and the Sadducees which Jesus told us to beware of. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. And we have a government in the heavens and a king uh, that we do follow and obey. I totally agree. I uh, just want to give an opportunity to anybody listening right now. If you'd like to call in, you have a question or a comment. For Brian or Kathy, uh, please call the number 818-369-0326. I'll put that up on the screen. 818-369-0326. Press 1 on your dial pad. Uh, We've got a few more minutes here. Um, Brian, Kathy, uh, anything impressing you, anything on your heart's heavy that you'd like to share uh, before we start moving towards that moment of closure? I think that in our own personal experience. And I think when things show up in our own personal experience, it means that it, it usually applies to, to more than one person besides us. But, but it's just, you know, this, this uh, double outpouring that you prophesied about a few months ago, it's, it's as things escalate, as things get more intense and get crazier it beca- and it becomes more apparent that, that, um, you know, we are in, the last days that there is going to be a double outpouring of a spirit and it's going to manifest in different types of giftings and whatnot. And one of the things that's been happening 
um, with us is that it is there's this um, this prophetic anointing that has like seems to have come upon Kathy, and she had uh, I'm going to let her tell tell what tell exactly what happened, but she's always had a lot of dreams and whatnot, and um, not really paid attention to them. But she just had re- recently had an experience, and I think it's like it really speaks to the need to like one to really pay attention. And I think you, you talked about the fact that when you flew that flight simulator into the into the World Trade Center on on, on 9-10, um, that, um, you know, God really spoke to you and said, really, really pay attention. Make sure you pay attention to the things that I'm speaking to you. And, and Kathy is like, well, we're both having the same kind of experience, but she just had a really, a really um, phenomenal experience. I'll just let her just describe it to you. Well, I don't know about it, if it was phenomenal, but like on Friday morning, early before I woke up, I had a dream and I shared it with Brian that I was in a forest and um, and I noticed uh, there was this little, people were making their houses in forests, I guess, only two people, two different um, families. And one was a single man. And then this new family uh, came and made their house in the forest. There's no walls or anything, but I knew it was their house because in the middle was a, a big oak tree and they had put pictures up in it. And I knew the family and, and I went there and I said, why are you making your house so close to this man that's known to be a bad man? He's, he's like a criminal. He's, but I didn't say anything because in the dream because, because they had already put their house up and I didn't want to um, scare them or anything. And then I found myself in another house and apparently that guy went and murdered that family and I was told with another woman, stay in this house and be safe. We're going to go get this guy. And I'm like, I'm not going to sit here like a sitting duck. And I woke up. And and what I thought it meant was that um, that um, I was supposed to speak up because as the Lord's given me things to say, I've had three words in the last six months that people say, you know, you really need to open your mouth and speak up. And so I'm like, okay, okay, Lord, I get it, because it could mean life and death. So my friend, I was telling my friend this thing, she said, what was, what was uh, significant? And all I remember is that, that the pictures that they hung on the tree were carved. They're like five by seven. There was like ten of them. And they were hooked to the tree. They were carved wood. And in the middle of each picture was like a one-inch perfectly round knob that was pinning the picture to the tree. It was part of the picture. And so that was like, that's kind of weird. It was in the center of the picture. And then, so on Saturday morning, we get up and it was early in the morning. Well, we got invited next door um, to a breakfast. And so, you know, I wasn't feeling that great. And so um, Brian's like, okay, we'll go. So we went next door. They were having a breakfast. And, um, there was a couple families that just arrived in town a week before with their RVs. They rolled up, and one family has uh, four kids. The other family has two children, and they're putting their RVs at Holston, and they're looking to move to Greenville. And so they were invited to the breakfast, and um, another woman and another woman. So it was all women and me and Brian. And we, I was fasting, so I didn't eat, but we were listening to him them and this one woman she was sitting in this chair and she says you know what I'd also like prayer because we we put an offer on this property and it's everything we were looking for and we've only got like four more days to to make it so it solidifies and our offers 
you know, were committed completely. But when we went and looked at it, we went yesterday because we were there to meet the inspection person to inspect the property. And uh, while they were there, it's like about, I guess it's about five, six acre property with a house. And so while they were there, they went to walk on the street and they heard a man across the street on the porch yelling in his underwear. And they're like, oh, that's weird. And then a neighbor came down and warned him that this man just got out of jail and um, and he, he was in jail for um, attempted murder. And so they're praying, they're asking God. And so the husband ministered to him and he didn't accept it. And so they're asking God, do we go ahead and buy this property with this lunatic across the street? And, mm. and um, they were like, oh, this is just giants in the land. You know, we should just go ahead and do it. But, you know, they still want to pray about it. They weren't sure. sure. So we went ahead and prayed with them. And then it was time for us to come back home. And as soon as we were getting up to go back home, I looked at the chair the woman was sitting on. And, and there was a knob. On the bottom of the chair, there was two knobs that the chair was sitting on, exactly like my dream, the same size, same color that was in the middle of the pictures. And I walked out, and we came back home, and I, as soon as we entered in our house, I said, Brian, did you see the chair that woman was sitting on right before we left? They were the knobs in my dream about the picture. He goes, oh, my gosh, honey, you got to go back over there and tell her your dream. And I started crying. I was, like, really scared. And, but anyway, I... I knew I was going because I'm not going to, you know, not tell her. So I went over there and I said, this might sound odd, but I told her my dream. And, you know, so I said, you know, and they took it in. And the other lady goes, oh, my gosh, you know, when we were there, actually, I heard a scripture that said there from Proverbs that wisdom speaks in the streets. And so there was another that she forgot that she had heard. And, um, so anyway, we prayed Amazing. and then we left. And I don't know if they decided to get the property. I haven't seen them, but all I know is that that dream, I believe, was for that family. Wow! And absolutely, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, that, go ahead, Brian. What what the woman that she said that, that was quoting from Proverbs too? She said that she'd actually before she went there, she prayed that if there was anything. The reason why they that they shouldn't be buying the house that that God would reveal it, and then she just kind of forgot about it, you know. And then another woman that was there, who's been in the community for quite a while, she said, you know, there's been a pattern in this community with people having prophetic dreams and not speaking them until later, until it was too late afterwards. And so it's just like to me, I just see this thing that happened with her is just like one. It's a confirmation for Kathy to be more bold and to speak the words that give her. Pay attention and speak the words that God gives her. But then there's, there's a thing that happens in the body where it's like where one person is, is, is obedient and it sets the stage and, and opens the way for other people to be obedient. And then when we start putting the pieces of the puzzle together, it's like, wow, you know? And so I, I just, I just feel like, like we're going to be having to walk like this more and more and more in the coming days. Mm-hmm. And this is another way that we prepare the body of Christ for what's coming is that we prepare to rely on God and prepare to like, Pay attention to the to the things that he is speaking to us because he is speaking all the time. But where our our tuners aren't tuned in, that's the problem. 
So in the first fruits, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it was accompanied with dreams and visions. Uh, we just said last week to our ecclesia that get ready, God is going to begin to download dreams and visions. And it was Joseph and Mary, I believe, that Joseph had a dream to get out of where he was, and they went down to Egypt. So <clears throat> dreaming and visions are from God. Uh, that is supernatural. I hope they pay attention to you. Let's take a call real quick coming in from area code 605-695. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You have a question or comment for Brian and Kathy? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, yes, I have you got me or my wife on right now, Vincent? I have you on, Ken. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm calling in regards to the first comment that you sort of made when you went on the air today. And that is um, we have a tendency as people to blame everybody else for everything. And, that, and it turns out that we blame the church for our children, the way they're uh, not receiving the word and this and that. We're blaming the schools. And that, and so much of it falls back on the parents because the parents aren't doing their jobs in many cases. The father isn't in the home or they are in the home, but they're still not doing it. They end up to the point where the discipline is not there. Um, and so if they do not, if children do not learn certain things by the time that they go to school, they're very open to whatever they're taught. Um, and so that is one of my first comments. The other thing is, is I was in a group in uh, Menards some time ago, like years ago, because my grandchildren now, the youngest boy is 17, the oldest boy is like 23. And I was looking for gifts for my grandson for a birthday or Christmas. I don't remember what it was, but anyway... I walked through Walmart, and I'm looking for a gift for this child, who was probably somewhere around 8, 10, something. And I walked through the toy department, and it's no wonder these children's minds get affected so much by uh, what's around them, what they see, what they do. And here are, here are all these little men that have like a hawk-type head or they have a gorilla-type head or whatever, and that, and we let them buy this or the children let them um, have these toys. And what do you expect? Because those are so formative years that it just really has an effect on them. And, and I, can I bring up one more situation that I've seen in the store? Of course. Okay, it turns out that I'm in, in uh, a store, and I think it might have been a Walmart or a Target or something like that. And here this little boy comes up to his dad, and he ends up and says, Dad, I need 20 bucks. And the dad ended up says, what do you need 20 bucks for? Well, he says, I want to buy this game, and it's in a locked cabinet, and I need 20 bucks. The dad says, go ask your mother. He says, I'm not giving you 20 bucks. So the boy says, dad, I've already got 20 from mom, but I need more because I want to buy this game that goes on the television and that. So it turns out behind this log cabinet is one of these games that you play where 
you shoot everybody or whatever it is, and then after you get through shooting them, you shut the game off. The next time you turn the game on, those people are alive again. So what sort of things are we letting going into our children's mind? And who is to blame? Partially the church, partially the school, partially the parents. Amen. It sounds like they need to outlaw the videos maybe and not guns. That would probably bring a lot of uh, healing and uh, straightening things out. Amen. All right, Ken, thank you for your comments. We appreciate them. Uh, Brian, Kathy, any, any thoughts you have uh, during that comment? Yeah, just amen. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a multifaceted attack on you know, multiple, multiple fronts. And video gaming is, I, I, I firmly believe that, that video games have more to do with the mass shooting incidents that we've seen today than, than, than guns do. We've had guns for years, but video games where you actually go in and actually do a mass shooting, they've been around for about 10. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. All right, guys. Listen, we've come to the end of our moment here. Uh, We're just a little bit over, but well, well worth it. Uh, Brian and Kathy, as usual, thank you. Uh, As unusual, the dream that you had, the way that those people sat in that chair, that is phenomenal. I have to agree with your husband, Kathy. That's phenomenal. And we thank God for pure visions and dreams. And um, I, I suspect we're going to see a lot more of them as time goes by. And uh, we'll see what happens here in the next few days in uh, America, the United States, the world, uh, what's happening on the scene. Brian and Kathy, I want to thank you for joining me. God bless you both. Thank Our you. Pleasure. God bless. Thank you. God bless. God bless you. Have a super blessed day. All right, and we hope to see Brian and Kathy during the Feast of Tabernacles 2022 from October 9th to October 16th. I hope they can come and settle in and just have fruitful fellowship uh, with the body of Christ and share uh, things on their hearts. So we're looking forward to that. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. I want to thank you for giving to the ministry. But before I go, I want to say again to Nicole, Nicole, happy birthday. Uh, From all of us here at New Wine Ministry, all of our listeners, may God bless your year with uh, provision and resources and direction and guidance. And may God settle you and your family in the exact place that God wants you to be. That's our prayer for you. And uh, may it be joy unspeakable and full of glory. May God move you to perfectly. And happy, happy birthday. Um, again, we'll be back tomorrow. Brother Daniel Seckham will be joining me on the air tomorrow. Can't wait to hear what's going on with our dear friend, Pastor Jeff Bast, in his transition time. And I uh, want to hear from our dear friends, Pastor Kevin Honeycutt and others out there that are uh, tuned in. They've got an ear to the, the Word of God, and they've got an ear to what's going on in the world around us. We want to hear from everybody. So the lines are always open for anybody and everybody that wants to tune in. And until we meet again tomorrow, this is uh, Pastor Vincent Xavier. It's been good to be with you. Have a super blessed day. And again, if you would like to support this ministry, we hope you do. Uh, We really do. We want to give you an opportunity to give. Uh, One of the easy ways to do it, if you're going to mail in a gift, is simply mail it to P.O. Box 100, and that's in Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. And again, you could send uh, to that address, P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. Uh, a gift. And if you would want to give it to the radio broadcast, just say New Wine Ministry uh, Radio. It'll go directly to the radio account to support this particular ministry. Uh, I've got some news to share with you. It's going to be happening in August. We're stepping out into another direction. Praise the Lord. I think you're going to be happy about that. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's important and I think it's God and spirit led. 
Also, if you want to give online, if you're sitting there going, yeah, but how do I give on my computer? Just go to omegaradio.org, omegaradio.org. There's a donation tab, and uh, you follow the uh, prompts, and it'll take you on how to give to the ministry. And again, if you would like to just let us know that you are giving, we appreciate that, just so we can keep track of uh, that. You don't have to give us your name, just maybe first name basis or whatever. And then, of course, if you want to give at nwmglobal.org, another one of our radio broadcasts, where, by the way, on this uh, nwmglobal.org is where we're going to have all the information about the Feast of Tabernacles. So uh, maybe you want to uh, familiarize yourself with nwmglobal.org. If you want to give a gift online under the donation tab there as well. And then if you want to just go to your phone and text uh, all you do is type in 41088-OMEGA, 41088-OMEGA, all together, no spaces, and uh, the numbers, and then the lowercase letters, 41088-OMEGA, and then just type in the word GIVE. That's right on your phone under the text page. Uh, we sure do thank you for considering this ministry, and for those of you uh, that have blessed the ministry with your giving, thank you. Uh, it is deeply appreciated. And uh, we are going out in some deeper territory, which I'll share with you uh, in the days ahead. I uh, just got to firm some things up. Uh, but I had a meeting yesterday with the owner of a radio station, AMFM radio station, and we will be launching out in the first week of August. So we'll tell you more about that as we go. Again, everybody, thanks for joining in. God bless Brian and Kathy. They are special, special people, and we appreciate and value them very, very much. And just to all of you the same. We value you, we appreciate you, and we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow with Brother Daniel Seckham. Until then, have a super blessed day. Shalom. God bless.